Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of our Cornerstone podcast, where I'm joined by Siobhan, Shinon, and Brayden. And today joins uh, another very special guest. He's Ats, and he's going to introduce himself in a little bit. But just, just a reminder, guys, this is a discussion-based podcast where we base our discussions uh, in the Bible. Let's get started. Great. Uh, thank you very much, guys, um, for allowing me to be on this podcast. I feel very honored and privileged with you fine gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it really an honor to have you <laughs> as a guest. Well, it's truly a privilege. Yeah. Yeah, Ads, could you please tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you're doing, and then move on from there? Yep, not not a problem. So currently I'm doing um, uh, what, what's called a ministry apprenticeship. So I'm training, training to be a full-time minister. I am doing full-time ministry work. I'm also a second year at the Presbyterian Theological College. Um, and so God, God willing, um, yeah, hoping to be a full-time minister in the years to come. Why did you choose this path? Well, it's uh, it, it is a good question to ask. Um, after getting saved, uh, so I got saved a uh, little less than a decade ago. Um, I think just the way and the journey that I got saved and seeing the need for the gospel and seeing the need for God's people to know his word really en- encouraged me to look at full-time ministry. But of course, I wasn't ready back then. So God really has just been working in my heart um, year after year, has just been seeking him in prayer and just building that conviction to to do that. And then God finally opened the door and here I am and I'm not looking back. So praise God for that. Amen. Glory to God. Um, yes, we, we know that you have a really interesting testimony and that you've gone through a lot in your journey. We just want to get an insight into what you have been through, sort of, um, yeah, just yeah, story. Right. Your whole life story and sure. we'll inspire the crowd. <laughs> yes, well, as long as God gets the glory, that's the that's the main thing. Yeah. So so look, I so my my uh story goes back thirty eight years ago when I was born. So I'm a little bit older than you guys, so and that's why I'm encouraged by you guys here. Uh I was born uh in a place called Chennai in India mm-hmm. and um so the the people group there they call the Tamil people. Um mm-hmm. so that's that's where uh, I'm from. I we left at six months of age to go to the Middle East, uh, so a place called Bahrain. Um, so we were there for about four years, and then and when I was about four and a half, I ended up moving to Australia. So in my family, there's just myself, my mother, and my father. So my mother is a you would say fa- fairly devout Hindu, but also quite superstitious, ritualistic. There's a lot of that aspect in Hindu culture as well. My father, surprisingly, is a third-generation atheist. So he might still go to the Hindu temple, but he's atheist in his belief system. So same with his father, his grandfather. So it's a quite an interesting mix. Um, so I was brought up in that type of environment where you've got a mix of different worldviews. Then coming to Australia, also seeing further different worldviews. So, so growing up, um, I was just more being exposed to a lot of different things, although I did have exposure to Christianity from a young age. So it turned out that when my mother was around 10, her father actually came to faith, became a Christian, became Pentecostal. But sadly, he passed away two years later. So she didn't necessarily get to grow up in a Christian home. But even those two years when he was a Christian, um, he gave her a Bible. He would take her to carols. He'd take her to church every now and then. So 
she always had a soft spot for Christianity, which is why growing up, she would also tell me stories about Jesus, which is quite interesting being, being a Hindu. Right. Um, furthermore, the primary school I went to was a Catholic based primary school. So, you know, there were some elements of, uh, Christianity there and, and, uh, the high school I went to is a uniting church background. So once again, they're what you would call a liberal, liberal in their theology. But once again, you read the, the hymn books that they had and all the hymn books were what we would sing in a Presbyterian church, very faithful to the word. So that was the experience gr growing up. Um, I also did have friends who would invite me to youth groups and things like that too. So because uh, back then there were more Christians, you would say, in Australia, even if there were more nominal Christians. However, the, the real um, journey, you could say, started uh, around the time, uh, your, your age group, okay. around the time when I was 18. So I got, I got to university, you know, broke free off the shackles of home, you could say, uh, except unlike you fine gentlemen, I was out there, you know, partying, clubbing, whatever the enticements of the world, I was chasing after that. Mm -hmm. um, but one day I was coming back home clubbing. It was 5 a.m. in the morning. I was walking to Flinders Street Station. And I, I, don't, I don't know what it was, uh, but I suddenly thought, I can't keep living this lifestyle. It's empty. It's meaningless. And in a sense, I thought, if I keep doing this, I would go to hell. And I didn't even know about hell back then. I wasn't a Christian, but I just felt this is not right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And ads, did you, sorry to disturb Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ads, did you know, like, how, how exactly did you get to know about hell? Like, did Hindus believe in hell? Good. That's a good question. Hindus do talk about things like hell. Obviously, being in having some exposure to Christianity, I m must have heard about it mm. as well. But it's not the hell that I know of now. What the Bible says, right? This is it was more so like a like a instinct or a feeling that you're just headed the wrong way, right? Absolutely, it was more that. Yeah, mm. yes. But either way, it wasn't a good play. It wasn't good, and I knew that the lifestyle that I was living wasn't good. And that, that's the thing, right? In the Bible, it says. We've all got a conscience, right? Yes. Even though our consciences are broken, but there's still a conscience. That's they still work, and that's why the law written in our heart. The law written in our heart in Romans, right? So, um, so, so anyway, so I basically, um, I then thought, okay, I need help because I'm like, I can't keep living this way. It's me. Life is meaningless. You know, everything is meaningless. Like we're in mm -hmm. in Ecclesiastes. So you 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 would yeah. say that around that age. You were an atheist? I was, um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm an atheist, uh, but I wouldn't necessarily have believed in anything in strongly. Particular. I would have had a Krishna statue at home and I would have thought there might have been a God, but it didn't mean anything to me, if that I makes see. sense. Okay. And you found yourself in a in a place where you found everything meaningless. Yes. Okay. Yes, abs absolutely. So so around, around that time, I uh, was also starting to get involved in um, the new age movement. So this is part of the journey is that starting to look for hope, I thought, oh, maybe I can find the new age. So do you guys know a bit about the new age? Could you please tell us yeah, more about that? I, so, I just know about it superficially. Sure. So the, the, new, the reason it's called the new age is because the year 2000 was seen as the age of Aquarius, right? And hence the new age. And the previous 2000 years, was seen as the age of Pisces, the fish. And so Pisces, the fish was related to Christianity. Oh. And so by, basically they said in the year 2000, Christianity is going to die off. And now there's this new age coming and people are going to be liberated and this and that. So that, that's... That's interesting. You know, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I, I knew it was called that, but I didn't know why I knew. I just thought it was because it's contemporary. Well, yeah, it's 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 actually uh, in some ways a lot of what they believe is pre-Christian. It's a lot of the pre-Christian paganism. So New Age has a lot of Hindu elements, also Western pagan elements, and lots of different things. So you so you think about tarot cards, uh, crystal healing, all this kind of things. So it's all merged, in, merged, yes, in an ideology. And you're trying, yeah. Well, it's not to them. They think they're progressing, but to us as Christians, we know that this is pre-Christian paganism. It's just come, come back. Yeah, um, history repeating itself. Absolutely, and 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 so the reason I I was looking at this is because I thought I would find it, the the way forward because a lot of this is about fortune telling, right? So when you're dealing with tarot cards, I you know I've done dealt with tarot cards. I've um, uh, of it, heavily involved in astrology. I was at the time dating someone who practiced witchcraft as well. So, so yes. Uh, so then as like, so tarot cards are like, are those the cards that like with pictures and like when that, when a picture of a skull comes up, they say that this shows your death. Is that a tarot card? Absolutely. All this predicts your marriage or this predicts your future. It's all about helps decision making. Okay. So then like who controls those cards? Like, well, is this actually a thing like that works? Or like, I would, how does it? I would say it absolutely works, but we know that if it's not of God, it's of the devil, and I'd be, I'm very confident of that. But okay, at yes. the time, I didn't know. So at the time, I would have said, "Oh, this is some magical divine power guiding my way." Yes. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. That uh, even though some superstitions might be based on spiritual realm, uh, spiritual principles, or spiritual powers. If the if it's not from God, then it's from the devil, and you're completely right about that. I'm I'm just really curious about the witchcraft part. Yes, how did this person practice witchcraft exactly? So, um, if if actually with the witchcraft, it it was more talking to spirits. So you know the whole thing of allowing spirits to channel to take possession of you and 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 speak through you or talking to spirits and 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 this person was hearing spirits talk to them and things like that. So I. I myself never got into that level, but uh, I was obviously aware of it because I was dating this person at the time, uh, albeit for a short time. But yeah, I was definitely exposed to this, and that's how I got exposed to tarot cards and things like that too. Yes, so it's what I'm saying is in this new age, it's very um, opens your world up to kind of like rabbit holes everywhere that kind of lead nowhere, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and that was actually why I ended up leaving the new age. So. To me, the the new age was, it's almost like making your own religion, leading you places. And, and then at the end of the day, you're still unfulfilled. So, so, um, yes. Yeah. So you were dating this person and you found yourself that, uh, it was leading nowhere, right? It was, it was leading, it was leading nowhere. And, and at the end of the day, remember I was on my quest to find whatever I was looking for to find peace and joy and all these things this was not giving me peace and joy it was only giving me confusion i see um why why did it give you confusion it, it look the reason reason i was con and confused is because it would tell me for example this is what my future holds but then they didn't come to pass and i'm like okay maybe i'll look at this and then that didn't happen and then so i'm like but can i trust this but then um, there were some other things that would happen. But, correct correct i see so you just didn't know what 
what to do with with this and what did, what did you do with the realization that this was leading nowhere that's when i ended up looking at um a more organized religion so then i started looking at islam so that's my next on the this is the next part of the journey so uh, effectively i rejected the new age i thought you know um as also part of that time in the new age i did um also i i attempted a couple of times pray to the devil things like that as well so um and while things were happening that also frightened me actually so i then realized there's also this new age not only is confused there's something not quite right about it i thought maybe organized religion has the way it might be safer people have been doing it for thousand you know how many ever years so hence i went to look at islam okay yeah. why islam so islam i f thought was that they really were firm in what they believed uh they also said they only believed in one god so that seemed to make at the time more sense to me my the other thing is my father you know i mentioned he's an atheist he did say to me if he was ever to convert to a religion he would look at islam and so he actually had quran in his house and things like that so i did end up reading i ended up reading some of the quran i ended up reading some of the hadith and things like that i uh, i was quite interested in islam at that point in time um but but the issue for me with islam is um and perhaps most muslims might not realize this that when you read the quran when you read these things you realize how violent it is and 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 actually a lot, i know a lot of muslims uh who have rejected the faith is because they have read the quran realize how violent it is realize how anti in a sense god it is and therefore i've rejected it so that yes like what were some clues that showed you that the islam quran is violent like i i can't look i can't fully exactly remember the current verses but there were there were some of those in their text their verses which was saying you know about ki uh, killing the the infidel and 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 forcing taxes and all this kind of it's it's it yeah especially the polytheists uh you know and and i was just thinking man this is this is not quite right especially knowing islam spread by the sword so we know in our faith it, it spread through the blood of martyrs right it spread through the the gospel of christ going into all the world power of god but islam is literally the demonic power and i would i would be confident to say that because it's based on violence it's based on killing it's you know yeah Like, yeah, he didn't show. No, no. I, I don't think I don't think in the Quran it talks about God loving the people, loving humanity. It more so says that He only loves those that do the right thing. That's that's right, and it's a, and He's also a God that, uh, yeah, who wants He's like a dictator God who wants things His way. He changes His mind. So you know now our God is the same. You know yesterday, today, and forever. This God can change His mind. And I've I've talked. I've got some very lovely Muslim friends. I've talked to them about this and they will admit, yes, their God changes their mind all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, please so, tell us more about your journey. In yeah. Yeah. Oh, so look, well, the thing with Islam though is as I realized this and, and also it was quite exclusive, right? You couldn't just walk into a mosque and things like that. Um, so I then ended up rejecting Islam um, and thought because of the violence, I, I couldn't I couldn't handle it. So I then went... Once again, it's kind of back to another extreme, but not not obviously in the new age. I then looked at Baha'i. So bah Baha'i, um, I think that the name's guy is Baha'u'llah or something like that. He's one of the founders. It, it was in um, uh, Iran, Iran type of region. Um, now, 
Baha'i, my understanding of Baha'i, it's even less than Islam, but is that they believe all the prophets, they call them prophets from the different religions, were all manifestations of God. Um, so they would say everything Jesus said is right, but everything, uh, you know, the prophet Muhammad said was right, everything uh, Buddha said was right, everything you know, whoever said was right. So, so it was a very universalist type of faith. Was it like a mix of all religions? In, not necessarily a mix, but just because sort of an acknowledgement. Acknowledgement of, from my at least reading, it was an acknowledgement of the other religions, and they um, they respected all religions. You know, it's like those people that say um, that there's a blind, there all these blind men, and one part one person touches touches the trunk of the elephant, another one touches the ear, another one touches the tusk, nice. but it's still the same elephant. So that's kind of how they see the other world religion. So it's very so inclusive. All roads lead to heaven. All roads lead to heaven. I see. Type of thing. And what did they specifically believe in? Look, uh, I I didn't like I said I didn't necessarily go into too much depth with Baha'i. I I just what I liked about it was the inclusivism. It was very peaceful. It's definitely a religion of that promotes peace. Um, but what? But once again with Baha'i, I the reason I rejected it quite quickly was the inconsistencies because how can you say Jesus is true, but then also say Islam is true and Islam denies the divinity of Christ. Mm-hmm. How, can, how can you then say, but at least Islam would recognize Jesus as a prophet, right? But yeah. then you look at Judaism and they call him a false prophet. They don't even recognize him at all. So how can all these be true? So just things like that. And then in Buddhism, for example, they don't, even care whether there is a god or not you know in yeah. some way so so yeah so anyway i the logical inconsistencies was the reason why i rejected um bahai okay yes so so then uh on on the, on the journey uh i i then thought you know what i might look back into hinduism because i thought okay clearly new age didn't make sense uh well new age was confusing islam was violent Baha'i was just logic, illogical. I thought at least maybe the faith of my mother might make more sense. So, so the and and in terms of Hinduism, it was a lot easier because my my the rest of my family are Hindus as well. Um, see. And and you know uh, with Hinduism, you practice yoga. You it's about trying to also do good to people, not harming animals, doing all of that. Um, so I initially thought Hinduism would would be a good way forward. Um, but with Hinduism, uh, I don't know if you guys know, there's a big injustice element to it. There was, there's a status element to the the whole system, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so in Hinduism, uh, there's a thing called the caste system. Have you guys heard of the yeah, caste system? Yeah. yeah. So, so imagine like, you know, we're quite diverse in here, right? So imagine just because of how we're born and, and what we look like, we are treated in a different way. Mm. And that is, yes. Yeah, is it based on race, socioeconomic status, or? So it's a combination. I would say it's a combination of things. So that in Hindus, they see generally see us four main castes. So there's one called the priestly caste. They call the Brahmins. Uh, then there's um, a warrior class, which is kind of the second tier. Uh, they call the I think they're Kshatriyas. I think that's what they call it. And then there's the um, the merchant trader class, and they're called, I think, the vicious. And the fourth one were like your laborers and things like that, and uh, they were called the shudra. So it's a four-tier system. But you also had those who did not 
fits into those casts and they were called the untouchables. So meaning if an untouchable came into your house uh, off one of the other casts, especially the higher casts, you would need to probably take a shower or you would need to like purify yourself because you've been in the presence of an untouchable. So you're treating a person as a defiled I don't know, almost like an animal. You're treating a person as a defiled animal. It's terrible how they treat other people. And right. and, and and sorry to say that even though India abolished the caste system, but socially it's still very much practice. When it comes to marriage, people tend to marry in their own castes. And even when it comes to government-funded places for education, you know, certain castes get privileges over others. And there's all this. And well, if it's part of the religion, no matter how much the government tries to abolish it, it's still going to be in the beliefs of people, right? Absolutely true. Absolutely true, Joe. Because it's very much tied to the fabric of identity and yeah. and things like that. So Yeah, and it's very interesting how if you're in a higher caste, then you're sort of this divine entity that nobody of a lower caste can be in the presence of. Is that Ab- how it is? Oh, absolutely. Very much so. So my, my family background, we are from, you would say, the higher, higher caste. And I remember really vividly as a young child, I... I visited India, I was with my cousins and we met someone of a so-called lower caste and just the way they treated this person. And I was just thinking they only treated them that way because remember they were children too, but they only treated them that way because society has been saying that person is inferior. Um, so, so it's, this is such an evil, uh, in my eyes, uh, in that, um, and, and so for me, the other, the other thing is also with Hinduism, say, even though I was quite interested in it and I wanted to be, um, let's say, a Hindu priest at one time, but because I wasn't necessarily from the priestly class, I wasn't uh, therefore allowed to go into it. So once again, there's all these restrictions, there's all these things, and um, it breeds pride, it breeds contempt, it breeds all this. And it's very sad because you, these, these are all people creating the image of God, and, and we're treating people creating the image of God as second, third, fourth class citizens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this was your main problem with Hinduism. Yes, abs- absolutely. Uh, it actually made me very, very upset, very angry at the way people were treated. That's that's why I ended up rejecting Hinduism. So, so, th- so then, then I, I obviously kept, I kept going in my, you could say, a sort of like a merry-go-round. Um, so the the next uh, one I actually uh, explored was um was actually christianity but not the christianity that we all know where of the gospel that's saving so it was a type of christianity where it was only talking about uh god loves you and i'll, and I'll talk about i'll talk about this type of christianity so i was at i was st- at this stage i was still at uni perhaps towards uh you know uh, around two three years in and i was uh, I talked. I had some Christian friends in my course. I did. I studied architecture at the time. So, I then said, "Hey, um, you know, I'd love to go to your church." So I went to the church, and it was quite, you know, it was lovely and everything. But there was no gospel told. All I was told was, "Okay, yeah, there's this guy Jesus. He loves you. You no longer have to be lonely." And that was kind of it. Mm. I, I had no idea I was still a sinner. I had no idea he died for my sins. None of that. They would have been very much more. Prosperity, or like a progressive. I'll talk about that as well. So I looked at two. So this was probably more of that prosperity type of gospel type church. Um, 
Uh, I don't know if they're changed now, so I don't, I don't want to slander anyone, but I, I just, but at the time, this is kind of that experience. All right. And, and, and then I also looked at some of the uniting churches where they said something at the time I liked. They said, um, you can be a Christian, but you'll, you can be a Hindu and still go to heaven. You can be a Muslim, still go to heaven. You can be a Buddhist, still go to heaven. And, and Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. It was just what people imagined. And the virgin birth wasn't real. And, you know, it's, you know how it says, if you don't believe these things, you're almost, you're cursed in the Bible. Like it, the Bible's, yeah. but this is what some of these people believed. Yeah. They would, they would look at the Bible. Absolutely. They open the Bible every week. They misinterpreted the Bible. Right. Right. They would take but, it as metaphorical. As absolutely. I see. Yes. So they would say Genesis wasn't also real. Yeah. They, they would say all this is just myths. Hmm. Okay. And this was right after the, that church that you visited, which was a prosperity type of church. Yeah. So I was, so sorry, what happened in between? So at the, I went to that prosperity church for about maybe a month or two. Then I ended up, uh, uh, actually getting a girlfriend who was Buddhist. So that I, I'll talk about the Buddhist journey cause that's actually quite a big part of this before I came to know Jesus. Um, so I left, uh, that church. Uh, then I went into the, the Buddhist kind of journey and actually, um, uh, through that, uh, with that girlfriend, things didn't end very well. Um, and, and so I was actually suicidal at that point. Uh, and, and then I did what was called, uh, people call it a Pentecostal flip because I, I had a friend of mine who was a Christian. He was actually at OCF very funnily enough. And he was, he told me, uh, as if you ever need, need God's help, uh, look at Psalm 18, you know, I, I'm the Lord, your rock, your strength, your deliverer. Yeah. So, mm. so what was interesting is that, uh, when I was feeling suicidal after that breakup, I actually flipped to the Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible in that sense, right? I didn't know where books were, but I flipped and it went straight to Psalm 18. And that was actually, even though I wasn't a Christian, but even at that point, I thought, oh, maybe this God actually cares for me. Mm. Maybe this God actually loves me. But I, I, foundation. Yes. Yeah. Right, right before we delve into your journey with Christianity uh, properly, we uh, I would like to... S- sort of find out more about that Buddhist journey that you went Absolutely. So girlfriend. Yes. So, so, so what ha- ha- happened? So that, that one was very, that one was about a year. Uh, the bigger one comes uh, after, so I'll, which I'll share with you. Okay. The, this one, this Buddhist journey was more, um, you know, singing some of the Buddhist songs and things like that. It wasn't, I wasn't heavily involved at that point in time. And when the relationship broke up and I did that Pentecostal flip and, you know, um, you would say I went, ended up at Psalm, Psalm 18. I thought, okay, maybe I'll give Christianity one more chance. So that's why I ended up joining, uh, a church in the Eastern suburbs of Melbourne called Crossway. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Yeah. So I ended up going there for a few months and during that time is when I was also looking at this uniting church. But what ended up happening was, um, because obviously I still didn't really know about God. I didn't know about the gospel. I... Uh, and, and, and I was in a growth group at the time. So I was in this church for about four months. I was in growth group and everyone, uh, at the time ended up getting a girlfriend, right? So, except for me. So what do you think I did? So I, I actually prayed to the devil. So I actually said, God, if you're not going to give me a girlfriend, once again, it's a very selfish based faith. I didn't know God. So I then said, if you're not going to give me a girlfriend, uh, I prayed to the devil said, please you give me a girlfriend, right? And so what happened is, no joke, at that very point in time, 
uh, two girls appeared on what was called MSN Messenger at the time. Mm -hmm. It was a uh, talk platform we were using. I hadn't talked to these girls for a couple of years. They suddenly both said hi to me, literally one second after that prayer. Uh, I ended up, uh, ended up going on dates with both of them. One I found I ended up having schizophrenia. Uh, uh, the other one uh, at the time was practicing a bit of voodoo and things like that, but she was actually a staunch Buddhist. And that uh, girl actually ended up becoming my wife. How, so how did these people uh, how so did these people contact you? And, oh, it was no. I knew I had known them in prior years, I see. but but we just they didn't contact me. And then all of a sudden, after praying that prayer, both of them just out of the blue message said, "Hey, how are you going?" And Whoa. so what I'm saying is, the devil answers prayers, but he gives you his best, and not God's best. In was it with the voodoo girl? Yeah, so she was practicing a little bit of that voodoo stuff, but she was actually in, in quite a staunch Buddhist. Um, and and so with this, I ended up leaving the church because they wouldn't accept me dating a um, a Buddhist. Which fair enough, you know. Uh, now me being in ministry, I would say the same. But at the time, you don't know any any different, and I didn't really know God, so uh, I then easy for me to leave. Mm. Uh, and this Buddhist. So what I got so involved that, uh, you know, not only involved in meditation, I was involved with some of the Buddhist temples. I was involved in some of the Buddhist shows they would put they have on rituals as well. Right? Oh, they do. Ha they do have their rituals and and things like that. Um, but yeah, I was I was actually then contemplating becoming a Buddhist monk, very much getting involved in Buddhism. And Buddhism also, it was kind of interesting because it was the one faith where it didn't have the injustice of a caste system. It, it didn't, um, logically, some things at the time made sense. So it wasn't like Baha'i. It wasn't violent like Islam. It had a structure unlike the New Age religion. So you can see why it appealed to me in a lot of ways. Uh, also, being from an Indian background and knowing that the Buddha was from an in Indian kind of background, that appealed to me culturally as well. I mean, um, because, uh, uh, unfortunately, um, growing up, uh, my, you know, Parents, especially my, my father would say with Christianity, he would always say it's a white man's religion and, yeah. and friends would say, you know, and especially when you're from a background, Indian background, culture is very much tied to your identity. So if you become a Christian, it's like you've lost your, your heritage. And yeah, so unfortunately there was a little bit of that bias, which is, and well, Buddhism yeah. shares a lot of the aspects that, uh, Hinduism has, right? Absolutely. There is some of those aspects, but, but there are also aspects of Buddhism that made more sense than Hinduism because Buddhism was like a reform movement mm. of Hinduism. All right. Um, and, and obviously if my girlfriend at the time was Buddhist and, and, and all of that, it made a lot of sense. So you, at that point in time, you would say I held on to, uh, an appreciation of Christianity. So I still would have identified, you could say as a Christian at the time, even though I wasn't, but then I was very much practicing Buddhism and then I held, held on to my Hindu identity. So I was this very confused, uh, multi-faith type of guy, but pretty much looking at becoming a full-on Buddhist. Um, and, and, and then, um, then God changed it all. Uh, so you want me to share about then? Yeah, please. Yes, please. sure. So, so look, I, I was probably about, uh, about a year or a bit into the marriage. So at that time, I, I already knew the Bible and things like that. I had the Bible as well, right? But I, I and, and you would say during moments where I was struggling, I've cried out to God saying, God, please help me, please save me. But 
it was really um, opening up the Bible, really going through the Bible, really reading his word and him speaking his truth, saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. You know, there, there is no other way. Um, if you love me, you will obey me, you know, not, and, and knowing that he, absolutely. And knowing that he died for my, for my sins. And, and sorry, one thing I did forget to mention, um, is that when I was at uni, it's one time a guy did preach the gospel to me. Uh, he was part of Christian union because I was at Melbourne uni at the time. All right. And so, so I, so, so as I was reading the Bible, some of what he was saying was really coming to life. And this is where it's, even though I was seeking God, right? He found me through his word. This is the power of God where that is why we can never find him. He must find us. Um, and, and so that then, oh, that's changed so much. Like, um, cause even since becoming a Christian, it's upended my, my whole, my whole world, um, which I'm happy to share if we've if we've got the time, but yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look. So, so, so basically since becoming a Christian, then getting really on fire for Jesus, you know, then, you know, suddenly going out on Burke street mall, preaching the gospel, uh, handing out gospel tracks and, you know, suddenly wanting to go into ministry, all this sort of things after becoming a Christian, because I've seen the light. Uh, but that also sadly has come at a cost as well. Uh, so, so the, 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 the person I was married to, uh, she ended up not liking this new me because she was used to me being Buddhist and everything, right? Doing it suddenly I'm saying Jesus is the way, the truth and the light, you know, you need to come to him as well. Like, uh, and in the end she said, uh, you, well, actually the same, it was on this one day where in the morning she basically said to me, I can't do this anymore. Uh, she gave me, she gave the ring back and she said, you can have, you can have your church, you know, I don't want anything to do with Jesus and Christianity. So, uh, and I said to her, I cannot deny my Christ. I said, I'm sorry, but he is my Christ. So how was your relationship with this woman since she was to put it in a way devil sent? Well, it's, uh, that's why that is a huge reason why the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. There's a wisdom in that. And to be in her case, to be fair to her, it, it's not her fault. In a sense, I changed, right? Because she she didn't marry someone who was on fire for the Lord. She married someone who was doing everything else. So, right. so that's why I don't I don't blame her from a worldly perspective. I don't blame her, even though God hates divorce. God doesn't want all that. But she doesn't know. She doesn't know knew any different, right? So, right. so in the end, um, yeah. So God upended that. He's upended so many things. Obviously, now you know. Praise God, I. Um, with a well-saved woman, we've been nearly five years married. She loves the Lord. Uh, she wants. When um, so, my current wife Lorraine, when she met me, she said she wants to be a pastor's wife. And when I told her I was wanting to be a pastor, so that so God God redeemed the situation. But oh, it's definitely you ha have to go through trial to to come to know God. But that that is the thing. God will, in order to use you, He will break you, and but it is all for His glory. And we all have a different degrees of brokenness i i'm curious uh so you came to the faith just by reading the word of god absolutely and how yeah how, how was that process well it's really where you read the bible and it all suddenly starts making sense it brings life i mean i did join a church very soon after that Mm. Um, and they were obviously teaching the word well. So they were the brethren church. I would have mentioned to you guys in, you know, before we, the, this podcast started. So yeah. And they were very instrumental in my faith 
taught the word very faithfully. Um, you, you, uh, they, a uh, n- number of their pastors were trained by a guy called John MacArthur. You might have heard of him. So, oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So, very faithful guys. Yeah. Really? So, yeah. Uh, definitely the, the word of God is uh, the village sword that pierces flesh and bones and reaches the heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that is why sometimes, you know, people are worried, uh, you know, like I know a lot of people I talk to, they say, we must really, you know, teach our kids the word of God. I'm like, absolutely. You know, cause we've got, uh, we've actually got a, a child on the way. My wife's pregnant, which is, you know, well, but, but, but at the same time, I also trust that even in the midst of darkness, in the midst of nothing, God can still save, right? He's the same God. So we should never fear as well. That is what I'm saying. God is the same faithful God he was. And and if that right means to go through trial and pain and suffering for his glory, he'll do it. Like like the the thing I didn't share with you guys is how I got into ministry is because the business I was running for 10 years with a, a non-Christian business partner who had also been in business before I was Christian, that business ended up sadly coming to end, an end um, because it was, I'm in the building industry and things were happening in that. And so um, even though I've been praying for years, God opened the door to ministry. He didn't open the door by me selling the business. He opened the door by me destroying the business to free me. He will, what I'm saying is he will use whatever means to free. And, and, and the reason I say uh, he'll use whatever means, including very hard means, is that it shows his power and glory. Because when you look at Exodus, right, um, God uh, kept the Israelites in slavery for over 400 years. Even though, the, because the time of iniquity for those other nations were building up, right? But until that time was building up, he let his people suffer. He could have let uh, Israel be very prosperous and continue being prosperous in Egypt. Instead, he allowed the slavery. And, but then when he showed with a mighty and outstretched arm, he freed them. Then, then you see, wow, this is our amazing God. This is his power because it was in weakness that we see this magnificent strength, not when Things are in prosperity. Right. People people just don't acknowledge when things are good, don't acknowledge God. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a question for you when you said yep. uh, that you receive, you can receive answers from the devil as well. Like how do you discern when you're receiving from God compared to the devil? Well, look, as Christians, we can also be demonized. So right, rightly so we can, you know, uh, I would always say everything must go back to the word of God. Um, what does God's word say? If it contradicts the word of God, it is not from God. If, if, if you know, even sometimes someone might say something encouraging to you, whatever it may be, always test it with scriptures. That's what the noble Bereans, they tested everything with scriptures. I, so, correct. So I never listen to a, a still small voice in my mind. I don't ever listen to any of that. For me, whatever it is, has to always go to the Bible. That is how he, I know for sure he speaks to me. Yep. If, you, if you have the word of God written in your mind and heart, then it, it absolutely changes the way you think, the way you act, and it, it transforms you. It makes total sense that you, it was through reading the Bible that you had this encounter with God and was, was able to be transformed and renewed. 100%, which is why as Christians, we need to be the people where if we're cut, the word bleeds through us, right? That, mm. it, and, and so it's not just reading the word, it's, it's listening to it on, in the car ride. It's... it's uh, praying the word as you in your prayers you know it's it's listening to music that announces the gospel and absolutely yeah 
Absolutely. It's a, it's a lifestyle, definitely. Oh, yes. You mentioned how you met a Christian preacher, right? Oh, I went at, at, at uni that one time. Yeah. Yes. See, if you didn't meet him, your life may have been slightly different or just completely different at all. You think you had like... A- I, I don't know. I don't know because God, God is, God is the one who sovereignly appoints all things, but I, I do, I don't think of any other way because that was also part of a reality that he preached the gospel to me. And, and we know that we get saved through the preaching of the word. So I would say that was definitely instrumental yeah. in, yeah. in that, uh, even though it took effect so many years later. A lot of people don't realize that it may not affect this many people, especially when they're just in the street, just talking, but then you with your testimony how it actually impacted you years later there is still something meaningful meaningful oh 100 percent. i've got a friend for example where he was a very staunch atheist living in the fitzroy area for example a group of kids on bmx bikes suddenly started preaching the gospel to him he ended up with ended up arguing with them for three hours and then he's never seen them again and then two months later he became a christian and he's like if i could only see them again i'd love to tell them Hey, thank you for stopping and talking to me about this Jesus because now I follow this Jesus. So, so we should never be afraid of the word going. We must let the word go, and whatever means, right? Um, it's not just on the streets. It's with our friends. It's at work. Even, it's at even school. something so simple as saying "God bless you" to people. Absolutely, we're just saying how God has been good to you, saying how He's helped you, saying how everything that you do that is good comes from Him. Absolutely, these things. Absolutely, and you know even the fact you guys are wearing your crosses. I'm encouraged by that. You know, be out in public. You know, we are Christian. We have nothing to be ashamed of as Christians. We belong to the Most High King. Right. Yeah, that the gospel is the power of God in salvation in saving us. I me I think like so many other Christians or other people have approached me just because of this cross. Like just even last weekend, uh, Saturday night, we were going over. There was like a light festival that was happening. Yes. And someone at Flinders Street just shouted out loudly saying that, uh, hey, brother, I love your cross in front of everyone. Like everybody just looked at me and then after he's like, do you love Jesus loudly? And then I, then I was just told loudly like, yes, I do. And then how we just randomly got together and we started praying in the middle of, so do you know the Flinders Street, the staircase? Yeah. Just in front of there. Oh, wow. We were all just together and like we were praying that night. Oh, and, like, praise it's God. It's crazy how this, just this small act of putting your cross out, how God can use it in very miraculous ways. Absolutely. So, yeah, like people shouldn't be ashamed to put out a Christian symbol or something to show people that, look, you're a Christian because sometimes your good work also that you do, uh, like another person might see it and like see it would be encouraged by a Christian doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. See Christ in you. So, yeah, yeah I, I love the bonus that I've been seeing in Christians here lately. Uh, people just shouting about the gospel at the train stations or just mentioning the, the name Jesus and saying good, positive things about the, this gospel message. I yeah. think is really cool, really amazing. And I, when, when I always have the chance, I always um, interact with them. You're like, yes, brother, preach. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I just want to also share a verse that that I found recently, but it really relates to what you guys are saying. So it's Romans 1, verse Romans one verse 16 to 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, 
just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Amen. I found that really encouraging as well, especially um, as uh, in Melbourne, you, it's very hard to find like a solid group of Christian, true Christians that you can connect with. But then just the Bible, it really reminds you that it doesn't matter whether you have many people in numbers or less people, you have God inside you. And then in the Bible, it actually says the God inside you is actually bigger than the giant in front of you. So yeah, what do you think of like sharing your faith in small actions like these? Oh, abs- absolutely. So, um, look, I guess coming from my, my background where, you know, it is really through the gospel, even I'm sure the stuff I've read online and all that people sharing the gospel, it's made a huge difference. And, and the thing is, because we've been afraid to share the gospel, we want to stay in a safe Christianity, even, you know, in a number of churches, we may, uh, not do it out of fear of man, right? Uh, it, and, and so what that means is then the gospel doesn't go out and people don't hear this wonderful message because the gospel is true for all believers of all generations. So we need to do anything we can to preach the gospel. We're not all natural evangelists, but we are all called to evangelize. It, that's why in Matthew 28, you know, make go out and make disciples. That is the command of our Lord. We are called to come, obey him. Right. I mean, it says in Proverbs that the righteous are bold as a lion. Absolutely. The, the wicked flee even when they're not pursued. Um, I think that it's very, very crucial for us as that, that we know the truth to preach this truth to people because that's that's really the, our whole purpose in his life. Because can I, to make disciples yeah. of Christ. Absolutely. Because the thing is, we look at this beautiful city, right? We see so many people who do not know God. Uh, you know, as you said in that verse, people from every tribe, nation, tongue, the Jews, Gentiles, but the same gospel is the same hope for all of them. So if we truly say we love our neighbor, we love these people, we will want to share the gospel with them. And I remember um, there was one magician, uh, they're called Penn and Teller, they're these magicians. And one of the guys, I, I think, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I think it's either Penn or Teller, one of the, the one who speaks, I think it's Penn. Uh, he, he's an atheist, but he actually said, if you are genuinely a Christian, you believe that this message is going to save someone from an eternal hell and you're not preaching it, he would say that you perhaps are not loving then your neighbor. So if an atheist can see this and realize this, how much more so should we be preaching? Well, that's a critical gospel. thinking atheist because not many atheists have that, <laughs> share that same point of view, but the gospel will be preached to every person and then the end will come. So it's it's part of... We're, we're making history as we speak amen yes yeah. absolutely just to really add um more for all your listeners really that yeah that being being a christian as we as we all know is it's uh it's not easy uh, you, you're still learning you're still growing um but with everyone because everyone's got a different journey so my wife for example she's born in a christian home been at church since six months old very different journey to me and so all, all I, I would say with your believers is own, own your journey, right? Like, like, and every journey is beautiful because not because the journey is not about us. Like everything you've heard today, uh, hopefully it's only to show you how messed up my life has been. And it's to show you how great our God is. So our journey should never glorify us. Our journey must always glorify God, which is why whether 
you're born in a Christian home and you became a Christian at the age of eight and it was just a very gentle means or whether you had this radical transformation coming from the world, that both of them all point to this one beautiful truth about the gospel and about our Christ. So that's perhaps what I'd want to share. But if you have any other questions, I'm happy to keep answering. But yeah. Yeah, it's only when looking back that you can really see God at work because when you're in the moment, you're, you feel like maybe you've been left forsaken, but that's never the case. And like you mentioned, Ads, it's really amazing how God can rescue you from a really, really dark place. And um, yeah, I've seen people that seem lost and just will never change. I, I've seen them change. I've seen it in myself and all glory to God for that. Yeah. Which is why, Jay, like, you know, you might, even at uni and you might come across people, don't give up. You might walk to this pride parade and there might be someone who's the leader of this parade and saying all manner of things. Pray for that person because that person that very next week could end up becoming a Christian and be the future Billy Graham. You never know, right? Mm. Um, so, so no one's, that's why our battle is not against flesh and blood. The, the real war is against the enemy out there, right? So the people, these people are, are not our enemies. These people are those we need to care for and love to winsomely to see them come to know Christ. Well, I think that's a wrap up. Ads, thank you very, very much for coming to this podcast. It was really a very inspiring testimony, the one that you just gave us. And uh, I'm really happy that we were able to share this with our listeners. Yeah. Um, before we close yeah any final message yeah look I, I, I think um, just even what I would say is if for everyone listening um, if you got you know your friends your family members people who are who haven't um, who are not a Christian you really want them to know about Jesus don't be shy just mentioning something about Jesus especially if you've never mentioned anything about Jesus so worry that you're going to be ridiculed or anything like that because that perhaps even one phrase that you might say to them or maybe that one conversation you have with them might be what it needs for them to come to know Jesus even if it's in 10 years time so don't just don't be afraid trust God when he says when my word goes out it will not return in void trust in that trust in those promises um, and and believe that yeah our God is greater he can do anything nothing is impossible for him and always in prayer in prayer do these things absolutely then you, it'll be through his spirit that you're able to communicate yeah but um yeah no but yeah thank you guys very much for yeah letting me uh share share my testimony and yeah i'm glad you encouraged but uh pray praise god at the, at the ultimately Amen. and i love what you guys are doing <laughs> as would you like to end in prayer yeah in a prayer right before i mean for the believers yes ab- absolutely um yeah gr- and gracious heavenly father we do thank you for um all that you've done in all our lives father and leading all of us to know you, the one true God. Uh, we do, uh, yeah, continue praying, uh, Lord, that you would help all of us, uh, including the listeners, to to continue being bold um, as they evangelize to their friends and family, to to bring all things to you in, in prayer and and to trust in, in your promises, in your worth, Lord, uh, because ultimately we know that the victory belongs to you. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And please... Please share this with uh, people that you find that will be useful to any friends, family, and even strangers. And thank you. Thank you once again for tuning in. And like, if any of you guys have a feedback or something that 
we need to improve, uh, you could just message us on Instagram at our cornerstone podcast or even just drop us an email and just let us know what changes we need to make. And once again, thanks a lot, guys. And this is our cornerstone podcast signing out.